It's often a bit mystifying how brands magically go viral overnight. Sometimes they make it big, and other times they crash and burn. Is the road to brand fame and a bump to the bottom line worth the risk? I'm Alexis. And I'm Melissa. And we're just a little obsessed with these marketing moments. So join us as we break down the craziest brand stunts, from how the idea sparked to how the heck they pulled it off. Or didn't, and of course, will it stick? Good morning, Alexis. Good morning, Melissa. So I want to say a special good morning to our guest today, Todd Davis. Todd, say hi. Hi, everybody. <laughs> so for those of you who maybe are newer listeners to Will It Stick and you haven't like gone all the way back to our very first episode, we covered Todd Davis's brand LifeLock. So he co-founded that company, gosh, I think in like 05, right, Todd? Yeah, correct. 05. 05. And literally, I think LifeLock's PR stunt was my original inspiration for this podcast. Really? <laughs> yeah. I was wow. so blown away by it. So like to have Todd on the podcast and kind of diving into all the crazy stuff behind that stunt when, if you don't know, Todd plastered his social security number really across the world, digital marketing, grassroots marketing, billboards for to really prove the strength of his product. It was a bumpy stunt. So sure. we're going to dive into it. Yeah, I'm so <laughs> excited to hear what how you were inspired to do this. Yeah. yeah. So real quick, Todd, do you want to just kind of share with us, obviously you sold LifeLock quite a few years ago. Where are you today? I'm basically failing at retiring. Uh, I guess our personality types aren't great at retiring. So I sit on like 10 boards. Part of that, I want to give back. I mean, I feel super blessed. So four of my boards are, think more civic, Teach for America, mm -hmm. Great Hearts, which is charter school, Barrow Neurological Hospital, Conquer Paralysis Now. So some of those that I feel like we can leave a legacy and, and give something back to the community. Most of the rest are uh, generally private company boards, other entrepreneurs that I just love. I have found that that's the most important for me. I've got to find the person, the leadership, the team that I love. And then I don't mind making an investment. I don't mind being there when their stuff gets turbulent, like LifeLock did at times, <laughs> right? The only time when I go against my instincts and like, oh, but this technology is so great. I'm not sure what I think of the leader. It never ceases to bite me in the butt. So the other six yeah. are generally speaking, one's a SPAC board, but but the rest are privately private companies that I hope I can help influence and turn them into leaders that will someday get to the privilege of being on your podcast. Amazing. We love that. I'd love to get right into it. Like, tell us from the beginning, how did you decide to start LifeLock and how did you choose Robert Maynard as your business partner? <laughs> well, he almost chose me, I guess, but I was running a sports marketing company. So what that really meant was I would go out and get hired by big brands or even sometimes small companies, but to, hey, we want to go use sports marketing. I was doing mainly IndyCar, NASCAR, so motorsports, and activate some kind of ad campaign, activate some kind of business plan. I would help them design those, find the right teams, get it activated, those kind of things. I would run into all kinds of different businesses. Uh, in that role. So it wasn't just like people just talking to advertisers who wanted their sticker on a car. 
we'd have people who I want new business relationships. I'm trying to launch a business, whatever. And so I was introduced to Robert Maynard. He had this idea. They were going to call it ID lock about identity theft protection. They had one financial backer. And so they said, hey, can we hire you? Will you help us both raise money, help consult to the company some? And by the way, I love uh, Robert to death, uh, challenges and all that we had together. I, I love the guy to death. But he's showing me his business plan. He says, so we're going to telemarket this service. And I said, what? He's like, no, we're going to telemarket. We're going to call. And I know how to do telemarketing. And it's the most cost-effective way. I said, Robert, you can't have people call and say, hey, Alexis, are you worried about identity theft? <laughs> well, if you'll give me your name, address, birth date, social security number, and credit card, to me, the company you've never heard of before, over the phone, I'll protect you. I mean, I said, that sounds like you're criminal. Yeah, yeah. Okay? yeah. That sounds like, and I'm like, no, dude, that's never going to work. And so I'm literally almost saying I can't take you as a client. Right. I had some mm -hmm. digital media from another uh, client. So I was like, well, I can maybe you can use that and do something. But I I can't take you on. Right. I, I don't want this deal. Then he works me a little more. I'm like, well, it's brilliant. I mean, how often do you get to define a category? Like there was no yeah. such thing as yeah. identity theft protection. Mm -mm. Right. And so I couldn't help but being attracted to it. So I'm doing a little more homework. And I'm like, wait a second, dude, your only financial backer. This dude's been convicted of bank fraud. You can't have the only financial backer of an identity theft company being convicted of bank fraud. So I was like, if we're going to do this, we got to start over, right? Yeah, yeah. So I worked for a little while, tried to negotiate to buy the company from the original guy. That didn't work out. They didn't have, you know, non-competes or any of that. So Robert and I decided to start it. And I was CEO from day one, told my now ex-wife, it probably contributed to that, but hey, uh, I know we got this sports marketing company, but I'm going to go do this. You should probably expect I won't get paid for about six months and I'm going to need to write a few checks. And, and by the way, we didn't have much. We were, the company was okay, but yeah, we did not have much. We lived month to month back in those days. Yeah. Isn't that so crazy as an entrepreneur? Like, I think our husbands think the same thing about us. We're always like, Oh, we're we're starting three new things this month. Just FYI, <laughs> yeah. and we also have kids, and we have another business, and you know, and I'm coaching soccer. Yeah, you know, just add you know, more. Go with the flow. And, and by the way, if you sat back and even if you thought about it, you'd be like, "That okay, this is a lot. Like, it doesn't make sense. Why would we add more? Like, this is already kind of stressful." But the real answer is, I mean, first of all, give someone busy something to do. They get it done faster and better than anyone, right? But when it's in your nature right? You feed on it. Like, doesn't it give you fuel? You're like, yes. oh, I got to yes. get going. Oh, I got, I'm getting up this morning. I mean, we could talk later. Some advice I give uh, new entrepreneurs is you're not going to wake up every day excited to go to work. I, I don't know who gives you this bullshit that every day mm -hmm. I wake up yeah. so excited <laughs> to take bullshit. There are days yes. wake up <laughs> and be like, uh, I don't want to go in today. Can I pretend I'm sick? Like, yep. don't, can I just lay in bed all day? Yep. But there is that thing in you that's like, oh, but I got that thing and that other thing. Oh, yeah. And you just, it feeds you. It just yeah. fuels the energy, right? So we're all stuck with it. We can't help yeah. it. Yeah. No, we can't. No, I, I love that. Thanks for sharing that backstory. So in the episode, we talk a lot about just how great the business model seemed because it was built around a real experience that Robert had. 
he said his identity had been stolen. And that was an amazing start. I mean, I would love to have a client that has a great, a brand story like that, just because it's so real. And then we found out, you know, that that wasn't a hundred percent true. <laughs> I'm yeah. curious what that was like for you as his co-founder when that came out. Well, so two different pieces, right? One heartbroken, right? Because why you didn't, I mean, yes, that's a great story. We didn't need it. Why would you, and, and I get it. Look, he, he, he's, he was dealing with stuff. You know, we all have coping mechanisms. I think for a while he believed his own story. So he used to tell the story about, I got arrested in front of my kids for a marker in Vegas. It was so embarrassing. It wasn't even me. And I think he convinced himself after a while that that's the story. Mm-hmm. Well, so when we meet, you know, I had only met him less than a year before we started the company together. Right. So he tells me the story. Okay. Well, that's makes sense. Now I understand why you started it and it's a cause and okay, cool. But we didn't need that. Right. Mm-hmm. So now I'm sitting in front of the new times. They're trying to do this gotcha interview. So you've got a photographer there in our little dinky office while we're just getting going. And the guy's like, what if I were to tell you Robert Maynard didn't have his identity stolen? And I was like, well, and I, you know, stay calm, you know, right? Don't, but well, that would be news to me. Well, did you ever check the story? Well, no, it wasn't critical. Mm-hmm. Wasn't like I needed to go background check it, right? It's not that relevant. So he's trying to get me sweating and trying to get mm-hmm. some picture of me looking awkward or me bum rushing him out of the office for the interview. And I sat and did the rest of the interview. And well, what would you do if you found out? Well, I would probably have to take some action, right? Which is what we did. Yeah. Went out. Is it true? What happened? I had to exit Robert and as much as it killed me. He knew I had to do it. I knew I had to do it. I mean, if we were going to keep the business going, I can't have someone who lied about their past as a co-founder leader leading the company. So we we did the hard thing, which unfortunately, a lot of your entrepreneurs, a lot of you guys know, there's typically a tough exit or two somewhere in the process of a family member, loved one, founder. I unfortunately got to do all those at some point. (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, you're process, right. right. Yeah, it's but, it is so common. And it, it must be hard though when it's like you really like put faith and trust in someone as your co-founder and you know, like you said I have respect for the fact that you kept strong in that interview. That is a tough place to be. And also it's really cool that you still speak so highly of him despite going through all that. But like you said, I mean it wasn't critical. It was a good start to the story and why yeah. it fueled the, the business, yeah. but it wasn't critical because they're still trying to solve a problem that everyone yeah. could eventually right. have. And, and by the way, the guy was brilliant. Like what we built was so elegantly simple to start with for that. Now, I want you to understand this is how we sit here today in my nice home office and retired and, and these kind of things. At that moment, I'm heartbroken. I'm thinking, dude, you were helping me build this thing. Okay, I got to now exit you. By the way, I'm getting Goldman Sachs to buy all your equity. Like, mm-hmm. damn, dude, you're getting a what I thought at the time. That's a big payday. Yeah. Yeah. And you get a leave and I get to stay here and, <laughs> yeah, you know, and deal with this shit. <laughs> right. You gave me this shit burger to eat while you go <laughs> off and you're going to go redecorate your house. I'm like, what in the hell? This is so uh, don't get me wrong. There were a couple of times I was like, this is bullshit. Yeah. Right. But. Again, I, I got over it, get past it. You know, what was really happening, him coping, everything clearly yeah. worked out for both of us. And unfortunately, yeah. you know, when 
he tried to reach out years later. I, I kind of said, look, dude, you're radioactive. I can't. You can't be associated I, I'll with love, that. I'll love you forever. I'll appreciate you forever. We can't interact. That's just not smart, right? So yeah, we just pulls you into couldn't it. maintain yeah. it. Right. Yeah. What made you come up with this marketing campaign to plaster your social security number on billboards, Bus shelters, everything. Yeah. Like what, what was the origin story of this campaign? Like what we always like to know the moment where you like, was it your agency? Were you sitting in a room? Like, did someone say uh, it? And you were like, this is it. Like, what was it? Uh, I wish it was that well thought out. It really wasn't. Now it's not that Robert and stuff hasn't, hadn't come up with some really super creative stuff before then, but look, it's like an entrepreneur would have to do. I am going into the CNBC interview, satellite interview, which if anybody knows, the place you go around here is over by the airport. You're in a broom closet. I mean, it is nothing. You can't see the monitor, right? It's not nearly as glamorous. That Camelback Mountain behind you is literally just a screen, right? There's no no great views. So, but I am thinking, okay, we had no money, right? For, For media, we couldn't buy advertising. Social wasn't a thing yet, right? So, PR. That's how you did it. That's and, and by the way, we looked super credible. I'd get on some regional news show, and I. By the way, I would go anywhere. I'd be on, you know, Friday morning coffee with Bill in Florida, four thirty a.m. I'll fly there. You're doing Let's it. Let's get on yeah. the show. Let's talk. Because then they'd say, "Well, this is Todd Davis, CEO of LifeLock," and you, as a viewer, would be like, "Well, I've never heard of them, but they must be real." They got the CEO on television. So it's, it was instant credibility. So anytime I was on somewhere, everybody knew when I was going to be on and everybody being like, there's 13 of us, like there's 10, mm-hmm. 11, 12, we don't do these signs, but everybody manned the phone. So when you called 1-800-LIFELOCK, somebody answered, right? Yeah. So I'd been on CNBC once before. We all think of that as this massive cable network. Look, at any given time, they got about 200,000. It's not that crazy, but- yeah. To us, that was still a huge audience. And so I'm like, how do I get people off their butt? I need them to go, wait, what? And I'd read stuff, you know, Godwin, Purple Cow, like, what do you go do to shake somebody up? How do you get their attention? And so that's when I was like, you know what? I'm going to do what everybody says don't do. And so I'm literally in the chair, mic'd up, the earpiece called IFB. I got makeup on. We're about to go, right? And you can hear the control booth right in your ear. Well, I pick up back then, it was still Blackberry. I pick up my yeah. Blackberry off the side table. I'm like, hey, real quick. Well, in this year, I hear the producers losing their minds. Mr. Davis, <laughs> please put get down phone. <laughs> the phone. Mr. Davis, seven minutes there. We're going to need you to get off the phone. I'm like, yeah, one second. And I said, hey, what happens if I give out my real social security number on the air? Like, what? Why would you? I said, listen, no time. Listen, what happens? So I'm trying to think, what are the unintended consequences if I do this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you probably will too. You'll think you remember me challenging, daring someone to steal my identity. Most people remember the ad that way. The reality is they said, you can't dare someone to do it. Otherwise you're soliciting a felony. So if I dared you to commit a crime, I'm soliciting you to make, well, I could get in trouble. Mm -hmm. Trust me that registered. I'm like, okay, got it. No daring anyone to steal my identity, Mm -hmm. right? Just confidently 
back then we knew there were things we couldn't see. Like I said, it was elegantly simple. It was new. There was a whole lot of holes that we couldn't, had not yet filled, right? So yeah. call it like, thing or like a fishing net. Some of the stuff was going to get through. And so they were like, your credit score is going to get crushed because <sighs> you're going to have all these credit inquiries, but nothing we can't fix. I'm like, hmm. okay, let's go for it. And so I go on <laughs> oh my uh, God. CBC Live. Uh, unfortunately, the man who did it back then passed away since then, but Mark uh, something or other. And so our hook at the time was our million dollar guarantee. So at yeah. that time, Amex would cover you up to five grand if your identity and their card was stolen, but only on their card. So our disruptive marketing campaign was going to be, I'll guarantee it up to a million dollars. Well, most everybody's like, well, I don't, I'm not worth a million yeah. bucks. So, yeah. that, so that's sure. great. Okay. Yeah. So that's what would get me on television. Identity theft's a big problem, million dollar guarantee. So Mark starts going, tell me about life. And then he's like, so you're so confident you'll give a million dollar guarantee. And that's when I saw my opening. I went, Mark, you know what? I'm so confident I will give you my real social security number right now on live television. And he goes, oh. what? No, wait, what? And he's a former lawyer, right? Now, he's like, don't do this. <laughs> like, don't do this. No, what are you saying? Like, don't. And I can hear the producers in my ear, though. They're like, have him give it. Have him give it. They <laughs> of course they do. It's great TV. No. I, it kind of reminds me of like in our in high school when your friends held you back from a fight. Well, when they told me, <laughs> no, 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 don't do it. Then I'm like, no, I will do it right now. I am so confident. I will give you my real social security number right now on live television. He's like, no, no, Mr. Davis, please don't do that. Let, let's get back to the, so we finish whatever. And I can still hear him as we're coming off air. And he turns to the coast and is like, I thought that guy was really going to do it. Give me his real social security number. And I got to admit, from that moment on, you know, start the stopwatch, my life didn't slow down, changed forever for 12 straight years. I, back then, again, there were only 13 of us. We used to go out and I had a little CDPD card. You used to put it in a computer and had an antenna. And that's how you used to get cellular uh, (laughs) on your laptop. Yeah. And I would call them and say, light me up. And that meant put my phone, my, again, BlackBerry at the time, on the call tree for 1-800-LIFELOCK. Uh-huh. And so now anybody calling 1-800-LIFELOCK, it just went to the next available number and we picked it up. And so I had a deal where I knew I couldn't answer it and be like, oh, hey, Melissa, yeah, it's Todd Davis. You'd be like, wait, didn't mm-hmm. I just see you huh? on television? Yeah. Like, why are you answering the phone? So I had a deal. We used to call it Radio Todd. So my full name is Richard Todd Davis. Yeah. So I've always gone by my middle name. But I would answer the phone. I'd do like this. Um, Thank you for calling LifeLock. This is Richard. How may I help you? <laughs> and I would sit there and type. And by the way, it was like a, all we were doing was typing on our webpage. So yeah. they could have done it. There wasn't like we had an internal CRM. We're, yeah. We're young. So we're, I'm literally just taking down your info, typing it in for you on our website and registering you and signing you up for LifeLock. So I'm sitting in my car, sweating. I, I can't, every time I hang up, the phone rings. And so I'm like, I can't even tell them, take me off. Let me get back to the office. Because you don't have time. Yeah. You're just answering the phone. Yeah. I, one after the other. My battery's about to go dead, my laptop. So finally, I'm like, guys, take me off the call tree, right? And so I do... I race back to the office, get on phones, go light me up. We're going, you got to understand though. So we're signing up people. It was ridiculous as fast as we could. 
one of my crew that does coding, like literally one of my software engineers is mm-hmm. answering the phone and he stands up, he goes, hey, Todd, someone wants to know whether we're private or public. So he didn't know the difference. <laughs> yeah, he so didn't we're, understand. We're <laughs> private. Okay. Stands up. Hey, this guy wants to know if we're raising money. Yes, oh. we're always raising money. Of course. Yes. yes okay, thanks. Hey, Todd, he wants to talk to you. Send the call. <laughs> and he told me about it. And I'm like, where are you at? And he's like, oh, I'm over in California. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be there tomorrow. What time? Are you free at lunch? I'm free at lunch. He's like, yeah, that sounds great. Come meet us. I'm like, okay, cool. Then I hang up. I'm like, somebody buy me a ticket to California. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> <We're so sorry. laughs> That's like, we've, we've, done, we've that done that so many times. times. You have, I mean, like, we're going to be there. Sure. No, we'll like, yeah, be I'm in Boston to tomorrow. Sure. Yeah, like, so we're going just, to New York. <laughs> just so happens. I'm going to be there tomorrow. Yeah. So that's oh. how it started. And, you know, it then we did up. the ads. You're talking about everybody knows the billboard ads and all yeah. that. So we knew we had caught lightning in a bottle. We took off with it. It was incredible. Life changing. Oh. It was awesome. That is so, what a cool story. I didn't realize how it literally was a moment that you just were like, I'm doing this. Because you want to make payroll. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, hey, maybe I can get, and by the way, you guys, this is insane, right? So they have like 200,000 viewers. We signed up near 20% of their entire viewing of 40,000 enrollments over the next like call it 72 three to four days because some people wouldn't wait couldn't wait you know they call in days later but we roughly grew which by the way was astronomical at the time so remember we're getting 10 bucks a month yeah that was four hundred thousand dollars a month in recurring revenue oh my god from pr from one pr placement one creative idea one guerrilla marketing idea and it I mean, like I said, it changed everything. My our, my life went on a different trajectory. LifeLock did. The investor investors, we got, I mean, it was just insane from there oh on. Oh my God, that is so cool. Was there anyone inside the company who was so against this tactic or did everyone get on board once they saw the power of that one piece? Everybody got on board. And in fact, we even messed around with and even taped some stuff about other employees getting out there socials mm-hmm. and saying, and I'm so-and-so and I work for like, here's my social, right? But I thought, well, I don't want you guys, because it was going to be, I knew forever, once my stuff's out, I'm going to get dinged for over and over. Now, the difference was LifeLock could fix it. So it's not like I would just, literally, I wouldn't even respond to the stuff. And my team would, and they didn't, I mean, maybe I had my dedicated team, but they they gave me the same service we gave anyone, right? But they would just be like, okay, we know it's you. We'll clean it up. Like, we'll take that yeah. off your credit report. We'll get it removed. Yeah. It's So I never felt any pain from the process. I mean, wow. other than dealing with the media when they they were like, hey, your identity has been stolen. I'm like, well, was it stolen? Because I kind of gave out my social. It was you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but stolen would indicate like I tried to hide it and someone broke in and got it. We kind of gave it to him on a billboard truck. So yeah. I went on uh, the Today Show with Matt Lauer. And when he was like, one to confront me, I'm like, let's go. I'll fly let's to New York. We got it on, <laughs> on morning television. And I'm oh like, gosh. bring it on, everybody. So it was awesome. I love it. Yeah. So when your identity was actually stolen, you didn't yeah. really realize it until your wife told you. Like, that's what the well, story says. That's the what news the reports say, are right? like, 
you didn't get yes. the notifications. Like, was that a testament to like, was that a concern of the strength of the software at the time? And you were still learning how to give those notifications or talk to us about that. Like, yeah. So, well, and so my then wife, now ex-wife, but we're super close. She's awesome. But she worked at the company, right? And she handled the stuff at the house, right? So she's getting this. And what is this payday loan? Mm. And like, literally at first is like, you got a payday loan? I'm like, I didn't get no damn payday loan. She's like, well, I know things are tight, but did you get a payday loan? No. <laughs> so the reality is you got to remember. So all we were to begin with was you could, as a consumer, set something called a fraud alert. Okay. And the government had fought with the credit bureaus and created this thing. But the credit bureaus didn't want anything getting in the way of them selling your data, which is your credit report, right? right. So they said, all right, well, let's only make them last for 90 days. Mm-hmm. So if you're concerned about it, set one, okay, but it expires after 90. So unless you've already been a victim, you can set one longer, but otherwise 90 days. Yeah. Well, of course, well, you know, what good does that do you? So all we really did to begin with, you guys, and we said it this way. I mean, we didn't convey something different. We'll set your fraud alerts and reset them for you every 90 days. Mm-hmm. So something you can do for free, but I used to joke, you can cut your own hair. Yeah. You Are can you do, do your it? own taxes. No. Yeah. It might work. It might not. You know, or you can hire us to do it. But that's really all we did. And we couldn't see into the system. We couldn't tell whether the credit card company or anybody else actually called you. We didn't know. We had no Mm -hmm. connection whatsoever. And we certainly didn't see things like payday loans. And so, of course, the Mm -hmm. criminals are fairly smart. They go to wherever the weakest visibility is. So payday loans and cell phones were the worst back in those days. But then we, like any good tech company, we progressed over time. We became a real technology. We could see it. We own the data. We got wireless payday loans. In fact, we, we got more visibility than anyone in the industry before we were done. Yeah. Wow. It's so funny when you just read about it in the media, <laughs> the different yeah. angle that you take away. I mean, obviously that's true for any any company, but it's so much simpler when you explain it. <laughs> well, and you got to realize though, we were, I was getting heat. So Experian was trying to sue us. Yeah. So they, what happened to them? They're like, we hate these guys Yeah. because <laughs> they're getting paid for a service we're required to give away for free. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we hate the, the, to them. We're just coattailing on them. Right. So they didn't like us. We're fighting lawsuits. So, you know, it sounds when I say it now like this simple, but we were battling and we knew at some point we were going to be in a in a fight with the credit bureaus as the entrepreneur founder. Yes, I was getting venture capital. Right. To help us fund the business. We're growing fast. But one of my strategies was I said, someday we're going to be big enough. And I'm going to have a fight with these huge credit bureaus. And they each Mm -hmm. make billions a year. So they could kill us if we don't get critical mass. I call them decisive points, but I meant we have to be big enough. And so our internal mantra for the first couple of years, is we called it March to a Million. Mm -hmm. We have to get a million subscribers as fast as we can get them because then we're big enough. We've made their radar, but they can't just smash us. Mm-hmm. And then I also mm-hmm. went out and Goldman Sachs uh, led our Series C round. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm negotiating with them and they want all the greatest terms because they're Goldman Sachs. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, look, I'm giving you better terms. But at one point they said, but if you get mired down in legal, this is a new category. 
you guys could get sued. We want to be able to exit our position if you get in a lawsuit or whatever. I said, well, <laughs> be clear. It doesn't really work that way. <laughs> yeah, like, this, this is why I'm this, taking money from you. <laughs> this is why you're invited to the party was my line. I don't think you understand why you're being invited to this party. We're going to get in a back alley street fight with some of the meanest sons of bitches on the planet. Mm -hmm. You know mm -hmm. what I need? A bigger, meaner son of a bitch that knows how to alley fight next to me. And that's Golden Sachs. <laughs> so yeah. you're stand right there with your brass knuckles. And we're going <laughs> to, when, when, when the fight comes, you're going to get in the damn fight with me and we're going to win, which, by the way, is exactly what yeah. happened. Yeah. Oh, wow. Good for you, by the way. Uh, like that must have been hard because they could have walked away, right? Oh, yeah. You know? I will admit, at this point, we're growing like crazy. I mean, once we got lightning in the bottle, right, with the marketing campaign. I mean, we are growing. We can barely keep up. A lot of these people come in and present, here's my hockey stick two years from mm -hmm. now, Mr. Investor. We're, I'm like, we're in the middle of it. Yeah, I, told, like, yeah. I told Bessemer, our Series A, uh, and I love David Cowan. In fact, we're still on a board together. He's, he's incredible. Couldn't be here without him. Yeah. But so while we're negotiating, he's like, the highest valuation we can get to is 17.8 million, which of course sounds like it's been very calculated. I don't yeah. know if he was full of shit. There's yeah. no calculation, but that sounds very technical, yeah. <laughs> yeah. right? So I'm saying, well, David, I, being best for you guys are incredible. I would love to have your money, but I can get money, quote, cheaper. I don't have to give up as much of the company. And he's like, well, what could you do? I said, well, how about this? I can go raise money at twice the value. I can raise money at 35 million value mm -hmm. of the company. But I tell you what, you invest the least amount you will do and still do the deal. Mm -hmm. And if I haven't raised the rest of the money at the higher valuation in six months, you can have the rest of the deal. Mm -hmm. And David, of course, now we're great friends, but he's like, I said, yeah, sure. No problem. Because I didn't think you could do it. <laughs> he's like, I, bar <laughs> I barely even, I barely even told the best of our partners at the Monday LP meeting. Oh yeah, by the way, I gave him some right, right? We were growing so fast. Kleiner Perkins was the <laughs> one that came in for the B at the 35 million months, like two months later. Wow. It was, yeah. So <laughs> you'd be surprised. Like once you become attractive to that group, yeah, then it's wants, almost, yeah. it reminds me of the voice, right? They're all rock stars. They can all do this, but what has to happen? They actually have to compete for the new person, like the unknown. Yeah. yeah. That's what happens in the VC world, right? They're all the rock stars. Oh my gosh, Kleiner Perkins and Goldman Sachs and Bessemer yeah. and you know, name them all, right? They're incredible. And, you, and all these people aspire to be around them and see them and meet them. The irony is if you really got something, they have to compete for you. And you should remember that. Make them work. Like make yeah. them earn it because it's yeah. the, like, turn your chair. Tell me why. Yeah. I, I love that analogy. Right? How easy to, for people to understand. And I'm curious, I didn't pre-plan this question for you, sure. but you said you didn't have a lot of money in the company initially until this took off and then you just skyrocketed with users. Was that the turning point when you were like, okay, this is going to go beyond just PR as a tactic that's more earned and a little less expensive. Now we're going to go and buy big media. Like, did you guys double down and, and set just large ad budgets at that point? What was the strategy there? Yeah. So I have a great story now for those people listening to the podcast that are politically correct or have strong views one way. You won't like some of my strategy. In fact, <laughs> some of my 
So my California investors didn't love my strategy, but I'm going to share what really happened just so people Do understand it. it. It's not a political yeah. statement. Okay. So Bessemer gives us four and a half million dollars. That was the least they'd invest in the Series A. They wanted us to have six and a half million to have enough quote runway. Okay. So I said, okay, I'll take your four and a half, but I'm going to be able to go raise the other two million at this 35 million. I went out and I went and flew down and met a gentleman named Rush Limbaugh, one of the most legendary <laughs> radio. I don't know if you heard of him, but you know, yeah. <laughs> okay. Now he's polarizing because he's this ultra conservative figure, right? But at the time, what we knew was his audience does what he says do. Yeah. Like if he says, try this product or buy this or do whatever, they do it. So I go down, I literally have to meet with him. I have to present the business plan because he only takes five or six advertisers. And once he has them, like he keeps them for years because it yeah. is unbelievable how effective. So I take of the four and a half million, I take two and a half million of it and commit it to Rush Limbaugh. Oh my God, that's a risk. Wow. Without telling Bessemer what my plan was. So they're like, so remember, I'm going, now I'm going out to Silicon Valley and reporting. I just got the most conservative radio talk show host. They're like, what? Right. And I said, look, you guys are worried about your thing and political. Yeah. I'm a marketing guy. I'm just selling. I'm just selling. Yeah. And (laughs) I'm fighting the number one consumer complaint in America. I'll use every medium available to me to get this word out. This, I believe, is the most effective. So I want you to understand something and why I could raise other money so easily. Again, when Rush started telling people to do it, we're instantly credible. We look like big time. But there was never a year, and I was with him 12 straight years. Unfortunately, we lost him a couple of years ago now. But Mm -hmm. for 12 years, I was with him. We never got less than a 7x return on our investment when you advertise with him. Right? That is amazing. We spent millions, which means we made you millions, made multi-millions. Yeah. Recurring revenue. So yes, then we went real media. And of course, then we were ads. In fact, people started hating me because we were on ads everywhere all the time, right? Yeah. But it was working. But when wow. we sold, just to give you guys an idea, when I sold what is it almost five years ago, I guess now, but we had four and a half million subscribers, one and a half million or almost one and a half million had come from Rush Limbaugh. Holy, oh that God. is, that is insane. That's crazy because you <laughs> said it's like, if you got 20% of CNN, I know Rush has much of CNBC. More, yeah. CNBC, if he has that much, Rush has so much more, like, I mean, power, power yeah. and so it's like a yeah. no brainer, but to take half of your original, <laughs> I mean, that is, that's a huge risk, but holy cow, that's amazing that you took that risk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was wild. But but I got to tell you, it sounds like we hit all the right stuff. Let me tell you one of the stories that didn't work, just so all these entrepreneurs can know, gosh, I'm not that good. I don't pick them right. No, no, let me explain. Before I had Rush, before we'd done the social, we knew PR was going to be it, but you didn't know who I was. So we set up, back then they were called satellite media tours, Tours, but you just sit there and go and they flip and tell you now you're in Chicago, you know, whatever TV station that morning, right? And you just go from one to the other usually like 20 or something of them, right? If, mm-hmm. if your media team's done worth a damn. So mm-hmm. we're going to do it. Well, I'm like, why? Well, it can't be me. So I'm not going to name names because I don't want to embarrass my good buddy. But this great dude, he had been in law enforcement. I mean, literally had done hostage negotiations. This guy was a badass, okay? Yeah. And he had this great look, white hair. So, so he's going to go out and be do this satellite media interview. 
sequence for us. And we're like, get ready, everybody. Get on the phones. Here we go. And by the way, we're investing. I got to pay for this, right? And I'm like, big bet. You know, it's like 20 grand. Back then, that was a big deal. This was before all the other stuff hits, right? We go the night before we get set up. He's a little nervous. I'm like, okay, dude, you got this. Here's what you say. It's all I need. He starts going. The first two of three, he doesn't even mention LifeLock. He's so <laughs> nervous. I'm like, and he's like, looks shaken. There's no break. Like they go from one, like there may be a minute, right? Yep. In between them. So I'm like, all right, look, I'm going to leave. I think he's nervous around me or something. I leave my media guy in there. You guys got to calm him down, right? And they're trying to calm him down. He's like, shit, that was terrible, wasn't it? He's like, no, no, it was actually better. But I would this time let's try to get in the word lifelong. <laughs> right? Let's get like, in here. Even, he wasn't even saying, I mean, it was a complete buzz. Yeah. Total, like the phones were crickets. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. we just flushed 20 grand totally down yeah. the toilet. Right. Yeah. So I just want everybody to understand. I'm telling you the stories that worked. Yeah. We had tons of stuff that didn't. So don't let that discourage it. I mean, all it made me do was come up later. Like, what do I do to get people moving? Yeah. And by the way, then I, I did take responsibility. If I'm going to go down in flames, it's at least going to be me and you in yeah. front of the camera. Yeah. So at least it's going to be my fault. I'm not going to be a victim to somebody else. And but then when we could afford good looking talent, I got out of the way. <laughs> I have to say, you may think we're making fun of it on the podcast, but your teeth are amazingly white right? in all those ads. I had <laughs> just had it. that done. I had just had that and like, dude, they stood out. It was I know. It was, it was those little lumineer things, the little cover <laughs> things. Yeah. And they, they're like, well, pick which tone you want. And I'm like, well, why the hell would anybody go for that? Right. They don't tell me any right. different. I'm like, oh. Now I understand because you get told forever, man, you got the whitest smile. Yeah, ever white seen. teeth. I know. No, yeah. I love it. That's awesome. Just real quick, I want to dive into like the FTC sure. fines. So someone who doesn't really understand maybe like what that means. Like it's so, it seems so big and it seems like such a big deal. And there was reports yeah. about like it being the largest FTC fine and at that point in history. What did that do for you, for the company? Like you resigned shortly after as CEO. Obviously you still owned the company. You had a great exit. But how did that affect your timeline for leaving? You know, how did the company sure. survive that? Well, so let's go back to the first one first. We're fighting against Experian, doing all this stuff. The FTC comes, says, we don't like some of the claims you're making, some of our print ads. So we'd say, stop junk mail, stop identity theft, right? And yeah. sounded very definitive in a big, bold text. So I go up, we're trying to talk to them. Here's what the issue, what's the problem? We don't like this text. We don't like this. So I'm going to give you the condensed version. Just be respectful of time, but you got to understand the sequence. So FTC says, we don't like the way you're behaving. We go up. This could be a killer to the business, right? So I go up. I got all these lawyers. I got lawyers. And I say to the director of FTC at the time, Director Vladek, are you trying to put us out of business? Well, my lawyer is reaching under the table, squeezing my leg like that you really probably don't want to do this. But I'm like, I want to understand. I said, look, we're fighting the good fight. I, I, we've done more to educate consumers what they can do to protect themselves. The credit bureaus sell the data. We never do. How is it that we are wearing the black hat? Yeah. We should be on the poster with you with a white hat. We've done more. And I'm passionate about what we believe in it. And so, so are you trying to put us out of business? He says, no. Mr. Dad, well, he pauses, right? Everybody's up, and then he's like, no. But I don't like your previous behavior. I want to deter that going forward. 
So I leaned back and I said, so then can I at least help your team read a balance sheet? Because they clearly aren't that versed in it because you think we have 30 or 20 something million dollars, 20 million of that's Silicon Valley Bank's money. They're not going to let me give it to you. I'll, yeah. I'll break covenants, blah, blah, blah. So we negotiate, we get it down to this $11 million, which literally, you guys, it isn't, you do all these studies and what's the damages and what could, but they don't have to prove any of it. And so I sat in the office, uh, in the conference room with Director Vladek. I sat back. I said, so let me just make sure I understand this. You can walk into any American-based company and say, you know what? I don't like some of your ads. I don't like the way you say certain things. I think certain people could walk away with the wrong impression. And although I can't prove and don't need to prove that anyone has or has ever been damaged from it, I want to deter your future behavior. And the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to read your balance sheet and whatever cash you have that I can take and you survive. So you pay me, I'm going to take. And by the way, whatever doesn't go back to consumers goes into treasury. Basically, it goes into the government. Now, I'm saying this as if, what are we in, Russia? Like, how is this? Yeah, how is this possible? Let me be clear. He didn't pause. Correct. Oh, said wow, just admitted that that's how it works. Huh. That's it. We're the we're the big bad FTC. We get to dictate the rules. By the way, if you want to complain, luckily Taser and others have bought them since then. Yeah. So yeah. how is it if we don't like it, we have to go escalate it? And you know who we send it to? You. <laughs> we, <laughs> we, say, we say, hey, this wasn't really fair. Can we escalate to a higher power? Sure. Bring it back to us. We'll judge <laughs> on it again. Like, what the hell? So we pay the 11 million you know, take the heat, but we get out the other end, out the other side, survive. I literally have to go tell my venture capitalist, right? All my, luckily they loved us. I'm sending the 11 million out and now I got to turn around and raise money or we run out of cash. We'll die. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so they're like, okay, let's go. We got certainty. So years go by now. Again, it didn't help the political side. I had ties to Rush Limbaugh, Rudy Giuliani, You know, this kind of stuff back in the day, that didn't help. So Obama's in power. Elizabeth Warren's guy, she's created the consumer CFPB. They're out trying to give hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars in fines everywhere. And so the Obama administration gave back to the FTC and said, what are you guys doing? What are you, impotent? Like, look at the CFPB just cracking the whip. And they're like, oh, no, 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 we're tough. Hold on. Um, Let me... Here, we got this uh, file right here for uh, Lifelock. I'm, uh, we're going after them again. Oh, so man. they show up. And they're, and by the way, I didn't know it at the time, but they were mad. They thought we had pulled one over on them when we only paid them the $11 million and then went out and went public for, you know, years later, mind you, several yeah, years later. Yeah. But years later, we went public for $900-something million in market yeah. cap, just under a billion. So yeah. they were like, oh, they tricked That's us. Good. I'm sorry, you grew. You You kept growing. (laughs) By the way, in spite of them, we kept growing, right? So then I didn't know they were mad about that and holding the grudge. They saw me as this gunslinging Texas boy, making money off people's data somehow, whatever, even though we Mm -hmm. never sold the data. So years later, go by CFPB. They literally say, well, we believe you're in violation of your security standards, of what we said you had to meet and how you handled your data. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we were in that the first time because 
again, as a rookie CEO, I had people come in and conduct an audit of our systems early, right, in LifeLock. They gave me a report and said, here are the weaknesses in your system. I then gave that to the team and said, fix these weaknesses. But when the FTC does their diligence, they're like, you claimed you were uh, the secure company. And look, we're going to use your own audit against you. Say you were vulnerable here, here, and here. I'm like, what the hell? Well, I should have never checked that, right? Or you learn later, you do it with a lawyer, so you do it on the yeah. But, right? I didn't know that then. So now we have this data security claim. So we literally, I'm saying to them, wait, you're coming after me as a recidivist, as if we've done something bad again. I've never had a data breach, ever. There's no yeah. claims that we have. There's no accusations. There is zero. We've never had a data breach. You, government, have had multiple. Right. But yeah. we have it. And you're going to come after us because we don't meet the security standards. Like, well, the average time for you to do certain patches is longer. Like, there is no standard. Yeah. How, you're, you guys are making this shit up as we go. Yeah. You're moving the goalposts on us. So they wanted to do a $100 million fine because they wanted to be like the CFPB, right? Mm -hmm. And do it. Now, the real answer is I wouldn't settle. Mm -hmm. My board, luckily for me, was trusted. We were very transparent. We had a great relationship. It did help that we grew the company every single quarter. So 44 consecutive quarters, wow. including fighting with the FTC, including my identity being stolen, mm -hmm. including had a, I had an issue where Rush Limbaugh got bad press for a while, but we stuck with him. Everybody else left him. Mm -hmm. We actually crushed it for doing that. But then I get this new one, right? And the FTC... So I, I warned my board, if I have to go up against them, we're going to get in a fight. We're going to lose a lot of market. We're a publicly traded company. Yeah. So again, the government rules are different for them. So I stand up and say, I'm sorry, we're not going to settle. We'll fight. We're going to defend ourselves. Mm -hmm. The head of the FTC at the time, not Vladek anymore, was a lady, tweeted during trading hours that they were coming after LifeLock because we basically had no data security. We <laughs> lost a billion dollars in market cap that day. Oh, from one tweet. From one tweet from the head of the FTC being a bully, what? right? Luckily, again, I had told my board, I had said, well, I thought we'd lose six to 700 million in market cap. Uh, unfortunately, it was a billion, but hey, we're going to fight. We will prevail. The claims are bullshit. No one's been harmed. We haven't had a data breach. We can withstand all this, but it's going to take a while. So we went out, worked with them. I actually did a settlement with a big class action attorney and then drug the FTC in. So they didn't get all the money that the, really the class action attorneys did. It yeah. was a big payday for them. But we did it then because by doing that settlement for the quote 100 million, we got not only our billion dollars in market cap back, but we ended up selling to Svantec for 1.3 billion more than that yeah, low yeah. point and a new record high. <laughs> So what kept you going with all this? It sounds like you kept wanting, I mean, you're a fighter clearly, but like, I'd be so deflated. Like all these people just keep trying to attack us. Do you keep saying, oh. are you trying to put us out of business? You told me you're not. <laughs> yeah. Well, so two things. One, we had an incredible culture, you guys. I mean, we were all passionate, which is, and by the way, our consumers loved us. Like you could yeah. cancel any time and our retention numbers were stupid. For yeah. a, a subscription service, you can cancel anytime. And we didn't have it where you have to 
mail and have it date stamped on a Tuesday. You know, it was not hard. Call and yeah. call online. You were yeah. casual. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and we were still like high 80s percent retention annually. Oh. Right. Yeah. It was insane. And, and by the way, we lo- were losing 5% because they were passing away. Like, yeah, that means yeah they're staying really with only, you. Yeah. We're only getting like 5 or 6% or saying, eh, I don't think I need it anymore. Right. So my my employees were fantastic. We felt like such a family. I didn't have to go rally them when people would be like accusing us of Todd's a used car salesman. He's too slick. They're selling data. They're up to no good. Man, they were like lock arms. You know, I feel like Braveheart, you know, let, yeah. let's go. And so that would we're inspire fighting. me, yeah. right? That you guys believe, I love what you've done. I'm not going to let anybody you know, say this about what you built, right? I, I get credit for being the CEO. You guys built it, right? The other was I have a, a mentality and kind of a personality and philosophy, right? I find decisive points. So in your business, there's a whole bunch of stuff you need to do, a whole bunch of goals you have. You need to understand the difference between a decisive point, which is one of the goals that if you fail, it's catastrophic to the mission, mm-hmm. right? And if you're successful, it's exponentially faster. So all those other stuff are cool, revenue targets, customer targets, all those. But if you miss it, if you got 90%, it's not catastrophic. I spent an enormous amount of my time on decisive point because I mm-hmm. would, we, I made a ton of mistakes. Please don't get me wrong. It looks easy afterward when you've been successful. Yeah. I made tons of mistakes, but I, we never missed a decisive point. So when I have to settle with the FTC, when I have to win, when I have to beat them, when I have to get this acquisition done, when I, those were the ones where I was just obsessed, yeah. right? And every day, my mentality was, I may only move it an inch, but I'm going to move this son of a bitch forward today somehow. I'm going to yeah. dig. I'm going to scratch. And by the way, when I get a big fine from the FTC and basically get sacked 20 yards back, fine. Get up and dig. Get yeah. back an inch at least by tomorrow. Right. Yeah. And so that was my mentality. And when you bite it off like that, if I looked at it on the whole, it was insane. I mean, it, I would get really super sick. I would just wear myself down typically once a year around the holidays when I would slow down. Mm-hmm. I typically would get, in fact, a couple of times pneumonia because I was <laughs> just, you're just wearing ripping. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was rewarding for us. Yeah. Like, all our employees. I made a hundred millionaires when we went public. And uh, like, that's got to be the coolest feeling. Yeah. Incredible. And we made another hundred million when we sold or another hundred millionaires, millionaires when we sold to Symantec for 2.3 billion. That's amazing. That's I mean, serious awesome. props to you. It's not, I can't imagine any of that was easy, but I'm curious if you were to go back to 05, starting the company or maybe even 07 with this campaign that you said changed your life, would you do it all over again? I, hundred percent, I would do the campaign, give out the social hundred percent. The only thing I would have learned from is I would have been proactive with the regulators. I would have gone out and said, Hey, before you decide who we are, can I at least attempt to show you who we are, what our mission is, what we're trying to do. You know, the challenge was even when we tried to talk to them the first time, you know, and negotiate our deal, I wanted to say, I'll send you every ad that we want to run, you can say it's okay. You can approve it. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And of course, they're like, nope, that's not our business. I'm like, well, you guys kind of make it hard because you won't yeah. approve it. You tell me to go through security audits. I pass everyone. You still say I didn't meet your standard. You guys are hard to work with, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I would have gone and tried to create a rapport where we weren't adversarial, 
like we were. I was naive and thinking we're fighting for the logo. We are fighting for every single individual, their identity protection. We're fighting the bad guys. <laughs> we're the good guys. Everyone will see that. And I'm like, <laughs> you just assumed. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, except yeah. the regulate. Yeah. Yeah. So that so would I've- be my lesson learned. Yeah. Awesome. So I have a question for you. Are there any like PR sense that any other company has done in the most recent years that have inspired you? Anything that stands out that you're like, gosh, that's cool. I, I wish I could do that. You know. So I, I will say, I don't know how well they work, but I like in general, Domino's has done an incredible transformation. So, you know, when, mm-hmm. when I was in college and by the way, it was a long time ago, right? Domino's was the go-to yep. and they were all, uh, somebody with a spreadsheet was running the damn thing because quality went to hell. Right. And so first they did an ad campaign that said, we sucked. Sorry. <laughs> we let our quality go to hell. They made fun of, they showed pictures of the crappy stuff. And they says, said, new, yeah, commitment, uh-huh. new commitment, we're stepping up. We're not going to suck anymore. And I was like, damn, that's like, that's owning it. That's pretty good. So they did a little better. Then they were like, Hey, we're going to fix the potholes. Like who, that was brilliant. Yeah. We're delivering your pizzas. And again, they're showing pictures of pizzas being tossed around and stuff being all over to one side in the box and stuff. I'm like, you're reminding people the bad experience. And you're saying, you know what? It like, they're build back America for us. We'll fix the infrastructure. We'll we'll do the (laughs) potholes. And then of course, most recently, this is insane, right? They were like, Hey, all your local restaurants during COVID, we're going to buy, we're basically, we're going to buy the gift card, give them to you to go eat somewhere else the next time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, so you've taken on, it kind of reminds me of what Dove did. It was a while back. Dove was like, we love yeah. you. Like you yeah. are right. And they they yeah. got to own that spot about we're, we're part of community. So I love that. I think those are a little different because they're big brands trying to kind of somewhat differentiate. I don't know that I've seen I mean, I've seen some pretty good guerrilla marketing stuff, but yeah. nothing that really struck me as much as I was certainly impressed that the Domino leadership would be like, yeah, go tell Let's them we do suck. it. Yeah. And now Domino's is like a tech company. I, I mean, know. it's so phenomenal. I mean, I order pizza for my kids when I'm out and I get a notification, like when it's going in the oven, when it's getting boxed, when they're driving. I mean, it's brilliant. And my kids watch it on their iPad. And they love it. Like they can't right? wait for the driver to get here. Yeah. It's so cool. Right. Yeah. They yeah. they have adapted incredibly well over the last, even call it six or seven years, really. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think authenticity and marketing always works. And you had a piece of that and Domino's is doing that. And that's just when you can be real and honest, customers buy into it. They believe it. This was like such a pleasure just to meet the guy who did the big, crazy thing that, I mean, I was starting my career in Phoenix and PR right around 05. And it just, I remember this standing out and being blown away. So major props to you. Yeah. And uh, well, thank you so, so much. much. Yeah. Yeah. We appreciate it. You guys gave me the chance to tell my side of the story too. Yeah. But with my white teeth. So I, I heard, <laughs> I heard that first podcast. I'm like, okay, all right. I got a little bruised up in there, but that's all right. I'll, yeah. At least I got to come back later and tell my side. So you guys, are, <laughs> you guys are actually awesome. I even thought even then your assessment was pretty, pretty damn good for just picking it up along the way. But yeah. what you've really built in your podcast now, you guys is so valuable to people. It's super entertaining too, but congratulations yeah. to you. You're able to go differentiate yourselves. And, you know, there's kind of a plethora of choices now. 
Yeah. You guys are creating some great content, super enjoyable. And I'm uh, consider me certainly a fan of yours as well. Oh, thank, thank you, you, Todd. That is so nice. Yeah, well, we're we're like super passionate about just crazy marketing stunts. And yeah. that's why I feel like our podcast is so good because we get so excited yeah. about it. And we actually have fun. We like can't wait to the days we can record yeah. because it's time for us to just goof off, but also crazy. like learn and get inspired for our clients, which is cool. Yeah, totally. Yeah, awesome. I think I told my wife, I said, these girls get in, they really geek out on this stuff. Yeah, uh, no, so we like, do. I like it. It comes through, but us, all of us geeks and nerds got to stick together. So I appreciate it. We totally do. Well, thank you for your time, Todd. And thank you all for listening. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And join us next week for another great story. Thank you.